Today's show is supported by Gunpowder and Sky's new film, Hearts Beat Loud. Yes. Hearts Beat Loud stars Nick Offerman and Kiersey Clemens as a father-daughter songwriting duo. Mm-hmm. Sam, she's a, she's college-bound. She's struggling to balance her studies, her budding romance with Rose, and the success of the song that she has written with her dad. Hearts Beat Loud, co-starring Ted Danson, Sasha Lane, Blythe, Danner, and Tony Collette, now playing in select theaters. Mac Weldon, wearing them now. Yep. Pretty much always. Them, oh, in pinkish. Okay. Very good. I have a pair of Mack Weldon sweats that I pretty much live in. Oh. Gets me so excited to get out of bed in the morning because I get to put on my sweats. Yes. Walk my dog. No, my butt look good. Uh, Mack Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. They've got your underwear. They've got your socks. They've got your shirts. They look good, and they perform well, too, because they have a line of silver underwear, uh, which I'm a big fan of, have several pairs, and shirts, uh, and they're naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. So when we talk about silver underwear and shirts, this is not like Buck Rogers kind of like space age stuff, right? Mm. It's not actual shiny silver. No. It's just just... made of silver. It's all in different – you can get it in any one of – Many different colors. No silver to be found unless you get like a gray color and then it looks kind of silvery. Cool. That takes a, that eases my mind. Uh, if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it and they'll still refund you. No questions asked. For 20% off your order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code HOMO at checkout. Hey, Matt. Oh, Dave, 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 Dave. How are you? I'm good. I'm still recovering Me from too. Provincetown. Me too. Um, how was the rest of your journey there? Because I left a day before you did. You did. Uh, Matt, it was just magical. Yeah. It was just absolutely magical. If you've ever been to Provincetown, you know it is just – it's a magical place. It's enchanted. It is enchanted. It is straight up enchanted. I, the, the spell was cast over me very quickly. Yeah. And I felt it. And the, by the way, we should tell people the episode you're about to hear was mm-hmm. all recorded live. Recorded live at the Provincetown, Provincetown Film Festival. Film Festival. With, uh, with a packed house. Yes. In a tiny little art gallery. Amp right gallery. on Commercial Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know what? It was just heaven. I, uh, I, you know, it's fun to be in, a, in, in just a, a purely uh, gay world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just feels – everything feels right. It's everything feels Wonderland. a little better. And it's not like – a particularly horny gay vibe. No. It's just a, it's more of a wholesome, right. uh, accepting gay vibe. And you know what? Sexier for it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? There's just a general overall sexiness in the air. So uh, the episode that we're, uh, that people are going to hear today, we I'd each consumed, I'd say like a large glass, like three three large glasses of Whispering Angel Rosé. That's right. In just in the course. This was after we'd already had a bit of a boozy lunch. Yeah. And then we proceeded after this interview to just drink our faces off yeah, for the rest of the day. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's what you do. Something something happens. I mean, something comes wow. over you. Wow. You got to have one of those uh gotta have an ale on a on a on a porch at a tea dance. I had forty five IPAs uh-huh. at ev- literally every establishment in yep. Provincetown. And in my mind, we were turned up to a level that was like we were just fucking tearing it up and having the time of our lives. We were supported our, by our community, and that's we I were. think why. 
But I, I, I have a feeling that in reality, what we were was just two people who would like walk into a place, order one drink, and stand there uh-huh. and like kind of look at people, and then be sure. like, should we go to the next place? And yeah, then we did. I think oh, we didn't pretty much what happened. Yeah, we didn't do a single interesting thing. We yeah. just did it well. We did it. We well. did it well. We hung out with. Uh, our dear friend, uh, friend of the show, Richard Former Lawson. guest, Richard Lawson, accomplished author. Yes. Um, I saw Dina Martina. Oh, Got how to, was uh, Dina? Spent a little time with uh, Dina in uh, in her male form oh, afterwards. Oh, wow. How was that? Uh, it was great. He's a, a joy. And uh, we went and saw Billy Huff, who does Scream Along with Billy. This was not one of the Scream Along with Billy nights, but he just plays a piano at a, at a bar up on uh, – on, uh, oh, God, I don't even know the name of the street and it doesn't matter. Um, but he does great we covers. No. Oh, well. Um, yeah. I mean and then and then there was some other place that didn't open until 11 and mm. and they had a, like a disco thing happening. It was just – it was just full – it was nothing but just joy and dancing. Yeah. It was absolutely fucking spectacular. It was – And I want to go back. I do too. Hopefully in, we will. We yeah. got to give a big shout out and thank you to Julie Rocket yes. and Julia Sullivan because yeah. those two match made this whole thing yeah. and got us out there. And Hopefully it's the beginning of a beautiful annual tradition. Oh, I think it will be. Uh, got to sh- – oh, by the way, also the next – okay. So I saw Mark Harris who is uh, who is a writer and also the husband of uh, Tony Kushner. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Um, and John Waters. Oh, yes. I was like three feet away from the both of them. They were having a conversation. Now, Mark, I know a little bit. John Waters, I don't know. And I am certain that he is somebody that I would fall apart in front of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you'd want to say something clever, and then you get in your head, and then you just spiral out of control. Mm. So I did not say anything. Now we definitely need to book him on the show. Yeah, so for sure. So can see how you hold up. See, well, watch my nervous antics uh, take me over. Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I met them right after a screening of Eighth Grade. Uh, I saw uh, Eighth Grade. It's uh, Bo Burnham's first movie. Now, uh-huh. he is somebody I'm not familiar with at all because he's a YouTube star, and I've never given him a fair shake because of that. So yeah. I'm aware of him, but I never knew anything about him. He's 27. Mm-hmm. He wrote and directed this movie about a 14-year-old girl in her last week of Eighth Grade, and it is so delightful. It wow. is just an absolute joy. It is a really, really sweet movie. See, I should have stuck around longer. I could have actually seen some goddamn movies. I don't know why you turned around and went home. Uh, I will tell you this. The next morning I had to do a uh, 6.30 a.m. ferry uh, to catch an 11 a.m. flight home. Uh, 12 solid hours of just brutally hungover travel. Bad news. Real bad news. Um, But totally worth it. Totally worth it. And by the way, when we went to tea, which is a thing that everyone does there, Uh um, we met a lot of lovely homophilia listeners. Yes, we did. Shout out to all of you guys. Yeah. Uh, and thanks for uh, we saying hello. Also talked to a guy who um, is an immigration lawyer. And that was one of the, you know, which is obviously now more than ever an mm-hmm. important job. But I was, I'm not proud of this, but I was simply too drunk to have a conversation yeah. about it with him. I yeah. tried and I couldn't, I couldn't land in a thought or a, a question. It was just kind of mm-hmm. like, oh God, this is so crazy. Yeah. Well, you did one better than me because I just remembered that just now. But yeah, he it. was there. Yeah. Justin, I want to say. Shout out to Justin sure. if that's your name. Whoever. But speaking of which, um, I just wanted to tell people if they're in LA, even if they're not in LA, this weekend, something's happening at the UCB Sunset called Operation Comfort, uh, which is a nonprofit, uh, immigrant youth shelters, and they are gathering to write letters to the kids that are being held in detention centers. And so uh, people are bringing their kids to write letters to the kids that are there. 
bringing teddy bears and just sources of comfort. Yeah. Uh, it is obviously not the solution, but it, it is an action that we can take yeah. now. It is something you can do. Um, so uh, I posted about it on Instagram and I'm sure a bunch of other people you guys followed did too. So uh, show up if yeah. you're in town Saturday. And if not, there's info on where you can send stuff. Mm-hmm. I will see you there. I will see you there. Uh, how was your week otherwise? Just a blur, mostly sure. just kind of recovering yeah. from Provincetown. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, haven't uh, con- haven't imbibed like that in a very long time. Yeah, and it was really we for it. we uh, we committed. We got after it. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Jason Mraz has final has, has possibly come out oh, yeah, as bisexual. I saw your text right before we started recording this. Walk me through this. Yeah. Well, he posted a poem. Uh, a love letter to the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. about how they have lifted him up through his career. And uh, and the last line of it is, I am by your side, but B.I. Wow. So there's speculation that he okay. might have hey, come out. Welcome bisexual. aboard, Jason Welcome aboard, Mraz. Jason Mraz. You've, all, you've always had a little uh, – a little musical theater smirk about you. Sure, I've always I've always considered you family. So welcome aboard. You know I can't think of a single Jason Mraz song. No, right I knew now. that. <laughs> I knew that. What's the What's the one? What's the I'm one? yours is the big one. Okay. The remedy is a big one. Can I get a little? No. Mel- Come no. on. No, I'm wearing shoes. It wouldn't work. <laughs> I need a fedora and <laughs> yeah, and an yeah, open toed yeah. shoe. Um and God, I mean, I I'm sure other things happen in the world, but I was. Gleefully checked out the entire time that I was 100%. in Provincetown. Didn't turn on the news. Didn't look. At, I'm off Twitter for the time being. Oh, I really yeah. checked out, and it feels great. Um, I ran my mouth a lot about a lot of stuff and don't remember most of it. Oh, boy. It was just a joy. It was an absolute joy. We'll see you next year in Provincetown. In the meantime, right. we're doing uh, the Just for Laughs Festival in uh, in Montreal. That's I expect right. that to, uh, to keep the, the streak of awesome fests alive. Yep. We're Initially. doing the podcast festival in London in mid-September. That's right. We're coming to a city near you, so We're come check us coming out. coming to you. If you live in uh, Montreal or London. Hey, by the way, I also have to brag about something I, t- I just told you just before we started that uh, Michael was uh, – Michael frequently researches like Faye, our dog. Yes. Uh, her life pre-us because he knows that the, she was raised with a pack of dogs and he's obsessed with the idea of reuniting her with them. Oh, and that's very sweet. And he found uh, a People magazine article about Faye – that we had never seen before. How did you know it was her? Because uh, I'll, I'll show it to you right now. You won't even believe it because it's a picture of her and it says, uh, the adopt Faye, the boxer mix from California. And there she is. What? I know. I'm so proud of her slash jealous that she was in People before me. Oh, my goodness. I'm stunned that you didn't name her Faye. I just thought that was part of the deal. We did change the spelling of it. I'm seeing that now. Michael yeah. does F-A-E. not like the spelling F-A-E. No, it's not great. It's yeah. not great. All and right. when you get the F-A-Y-E, then you, it's like it's a nod to Dunaway or uh-huh. to Resnick or uh-huh. all the great phase. All the of great time, morally you know? corrupt phase. Yeah. Uh, well, fantastic. Congratulations, Faye. Thank you. Uh, well, let's just get to this interview, this yeah. wonderful interview with Christine Vachon, who is the coolest yeah, just the coolest. I mean, and Christine Vachon produced every like uh, b- cool uh, queer-minded indie film from mm-hmm. the past like twenty-five years. Yeah. Uh, she is the, the 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 founder of Killer Films. Mm-hmm. She produced um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, a bunch of other stuff I can't think of. I, I don't uh, have Boys Don't Cry. Boys Don't Carol. Cry. Yeah. Um, yeah. She uh, has her fingerprint on a lot of things that you love. Yes. And she's cool as hell on top of it. 
we had so much fun talking to her. We sure recorded did. this, you know, in a in a like a small gallery, so the sound is going to be weird, mm-hmm. and that's fine. You yeah. guys can ride with it. We even did an audience Q and A at the end, so you're probably not going to be able to hear the questions, but you hear the answers. That's true. And you know what? It's going to be okay. That's true. We're we might have to fix through. that, but whatever. We'll do our best, folks. We give you Christine Vachon. Matt, I'm actually thinking about getting rid of this stubble. Oh, it's good stubble. Thanks. But you know, every now and then it's good to it's good to switch. Good it up. to clean up. Mm-hmm. That How is do you why plan to do it. Well, you know, I got stuff from Dollar Shave Club. I've used it before, and I love it. They give you everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. Oh, you know, I, I use those executive razors today, and I know I got a good shave. Oh my God, it's smooth and as a baby's behind. Not to brag, but I've got those uh, the pep the the one wipe Charlies in every bathroom in my house, which is wow. two bathrooms. Okay. Nice. All of Dollar Shave Club's products are great, and they are made with top shelf ingredients that will not break your budget. Plus, shipping is free with your membership. And guess what? Guess what, folks? We got a great way for you to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club's products. Yeah, for just five bucks, you can get their Daily Essentials Starter Set. What does that come with? with uh, your body cleanser, uh-huh. One Wipe Charlie's, yeah. uh, which are the amazing butt wipes I mentioned. They're so much about butt wipes. I got it. They feel and great. They're you would peppermint. think that I'd be tired of it, but I'm not. Mm, 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 mm. Also, their world-famous shave butter and their best razor, the Six Blade Executive. And you can keep those blades coming for a few more bucks a month. You add in shampoo, toothpaste, anything else you need. Check it out out at dollarshaveclub.com slash homo. One more time, that's dollarshaveclub.com slash homo. Thank you so much for coming out to Homophilia Live at the Provincetown Film Festival. This is so exciting. We're at the AMP Gallery, which I've been calling the AMP Gallery Mm -hmm. incorrectly. I apologize. Yep. That's fine. And we have, like, probably a bigger crowd here than we had at our last live show, which was in a massive theater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. thank you guys for coming. Imagine a third as many people in a convention center. So, like, a couple over here, one over there, one confused person back in the back. With a, a, a six-foot-five drag queen who has had to walk, like, five miles to get to Yeah. God bless Dusty Ray Bottoms. God bless Dusty Ray Bottoms. Um, thing I've said so many times. Hello. Welcome. Come in. Hey. Come one, come all. Have a seat. Right in the front, or you can't move. Um, so uh, this is Matt's first time in Provincetown ever. Yes. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Feels good. Yeah. Feels good. So far, uh, your thoughts? Um, I'm into it, and I'm never leaving. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely... A paradise. We live here now. Yeah. Um, I, this is my second time. My first time, uh, I was a, a sophomore or junior at Holy Cross. Which is having its, its third ever LGBT alumni weekend, which is blowing my mind. Um, but I was sort of half in and half out of the closet. It was 92, and I was dating somebody from Boston, and he took me here. And we pulled up in town, and it was as though um, Crucified by Army of Lovers was like playing over the, like the emergency PA system for the entire town. Um, a pregnant drag queen rode past me on a giant tricycle. Uh, it was so aggressively gay that it kind of... Halted my coming out by about six months, but I'm glad. I'm happy to be coming back full circle 26 years later. You and Promise are on a real journey together. I know. Yeah. I know. Man. Um, so we're here with Christine Bashan, who. 
needs no introduction, um, but uh, is responsible for, I, I don't know, all of queer and indie cinema as we know it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not not to uh, not to brag on her behalf, but Christine, hello. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. How's your Provincetown Film Festival experience been? Well, it's only about 24 hours old, yeah. but so far, so good. Uh-huh. Okay, good. Good. We met briefly last night. Yep. Uh, in, we were in the same room with John Waters. That's we never were. not going to be insane to me. <laughs> He's just regular. He's just a regular person. I mean, he's not a regular person, but he's like, when you're around him in person, it's just like, oh, that's, that's John Waters. Mm-hmm. How often do you get starstruck? Does it ever happen? Well, I made a movie with John, so yeah. it's hard to, when you actually, you know, yeah. make a movie with somebody, that's really seeing how the sausage gets made. Yeah. So, so to speak. So, uh, so I, but probably the first time I met him, I was starstruck. I kind of can't yeah. remember it. Um, I don't really get starstruck. Maybe a little bit around writers sometimes. Okay. That's really something that I admire that I, that I can't do. Okay. I disagree. You have books out. A couple of great books. <laughs> With co-writers. Uh, okay. Okay. That's fair. You're starstruck by those co-writers. Absolutely. That held your hands through the process. So, Christine, when you, if you ever, have a moment or a day, like an afternoon, just to chill out on the couch, what is your, what do you watch? What is your, what is your garbage throwaway watching? Well, it kind of depends. Um, because I really love to watch television, and I love to watch all different kinds of shows, and I love to watch all different kinds of movies. I do watch Real Housewives. Uh-huh. Okay. But now we're t- okay. only New York and Beverly Hills. Same. No flyover Housewives. Really? Same. Okay. <laughs> so, I just um, felt a wave of warmth pass through <laughs> Matt McConkie that, that is... I feel so you have seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I have, like, in the middle of the night when I can't sleep, I watch those super low-rent um, cooking shows on Food Network, mm-hmm. <laughs> like Halloween Baking Competition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who That's can make a up. spider cake? Uh-huh. You know, because they're so just surreal and, and, um, and so benign. Because uh, in the middle of the night, I can't watch a narrative. Because uh-huh. then I get too caught up in, like, what can go wrong? Uh-huh. But You're then, in work mode. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but then I just try, you know, I, there's so, it's, we're in such a golden age of television. Um, and we make some television. We don't make enough. I hope we'll make more soon. But, um, but it's almost, you know, when you, when you talk to people about movies, they say, oh, there's nothing out there. There's not enough to see. And when you talk to people about television, they say, there's too much. There's yeah. too much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't keep up. Yeah. Which kind of tells you something. For sure. Yeah. I feel panic when people say like, oh, there's a show that I think you would really I love. Because like, I, can't I, I literally I can't. can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. So Real Housewives. Right. Oh, Who's your favorite? Uh, well, which coast are we discussing? Really well, let's either. talk New York since we're okay. in a New York season. It's in season? Well, I don't really have a favorite. <laughs> They're fresh. I mean, can you, do you have a favorite? Well, interestingly, I was ride or die Carol to right. the point that I had a, a photo um, of me and Carol, which was not a real photo, but uh, a like Photoshop. a Photoshop photo put right. onto a birthday cake for me by a friend. <laughs> but this season, her rift with Beth, I, uh, what's up is down and I don't understand. <laughs> Explain it to me. Siding with Bethany. Explain. Explain what's going on. Um, I'm, you kind of had to be there. Yeah, but you can put me there. You're a storyteller. To a, you know, right. But, yeah. But I am we'll with you 100. percent Thank you. Just a, a quick though explanation, because that is. 
I mean, these these two were the best of friends for a good two seasons, which is a very long time in Housewives years. Uh-huh. I think more importantly, Carol seemed sane. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't anymore. She oh. doesn't anymore. And, and, and Carol was a grounding force. Carol is like basically a Kennedy. She's kind of royalty. She... Uh, basically a Kennedy if you count marrying a Kennedy being basically a Kennedy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. I Which, guess you can. More yeah, sure. Kennedy than I am. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's Kennedy adjacent. Yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, so she just brought a level of class to the franchise, but now she has kind of just become one of them, sadly. Oh my God. What just oh, happened? So much love. What was that? Wow. Is this a pro Carol Crowd or an anti Carol Crowd? Okay. Still, right. still pro. Ride or die. Okay. All right. Now Julie I saw I, I had Bravo on and uh, Ramona was yelling on a cell phone. What was that yeah. about? Oh, there well, was that's, that's frequent. Okay. Okay. Say, okay. I will say uh, Dan Minahan, who is a uh, uh, lives in Provincetown, and I made a movie with him called Series Seven, and mm-hmm. he's made a lot of great things. He said to me once, you know, the thing about reality shows is that first season is the only real season. Yeah. Sure. Because then after that, yeah. they're just acting in a reality show. Right. You know? And that's true. Yeah. And it, you also have the weird uh, Hall of Mirrors thing where non-actors and non-writers are trying to write and perform themselves. Right. Which is also fun and gross to watch. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. That's part of the fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. People know people come in knowing their character, I feel like now. Yeah. So even that first they, season is all tainted. They come in not quite knowing their character, so they make mistakes, and that's what's fun to watch. Yeah. Right. And then they start to get like, all right, let me, I'll do like one blow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, like, <laughs> throw the drink. Right. You know. It's like when they they had a dinner party recently where Luann, someone said something to her and she stood up and got really pissed. And then Bethany was like, you have food in your face. And she's like, oh, thanks, girl. Like, <laughs> she, like, went off book, essentially, for that moment. Right, but, right. Wow. Yeah. Are you, uh, do you bachelor? No. Do you, okay. All right. That's fair. That's where I draw. That's fair. I feel duly shamed. We're really in sync with our trash TV. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, in the world of movies, um, what has, what movies have have blown you away in like recent years? Um, okay, that's always a on the spot question. Um, or is there anything you've you've seen and wished that you had made? Um, you know, I kind I kind of don't roll that way because there's there's I, uh, you know, I'm e- I would either be in the category of like that made a hundred million dollars. I wish I made that, right. but that's just not usually like that's not yeah. ever really in the cards. Um, I kind you know I really admire filmmakers, and when I do, I try and figure out ways to work with them. Um, for example, Josephine Decker has a movie I think showing tonight, Madeline's Madeline, uh-huh. and we're making her next movie. And uh, so that's a really I'm really happy about that. When you see that movie, which I hope you guys will, if not here, then you know at some point yes. you'll say, okay, I get I get why she wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know I I there were a lot of movies over the past few years that that I like, um, whether I wish I'd made them or not, it's just kind of like, that's just, that's, that's a difficult rabbit hole to go down. Mm -hmm. You know, every now and then I've had an opportunity to do something and I've decided not to, but even then, even if that film does well, I usually really understand why I decided not to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Have you, have you seen Hereditary? 
No, not okay. yet. Okay. All right. I haven't either. I haven't either because I, I already am freaked out just knowing that it's in the world. Right. Yeah, I don't know anything about it, but I know that it's going to scare me. So well, I'm not I gonna. do know about it because um, that is a movie that my company at one point did try to make. Yeah. And for reasons that are too complicated or that I'm usually too complicated means that I don't know enough about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it didn't end up with us, but we, you know, we went after it. Uh-huh. Well, you made the right decision. In my, <laughs> other than I guess it is. I don't know if well, it was our decision. It, it, okay, uh, okay, well, okay. Well, the right thing happened. But uh, what about music? What do you listen to? What is on your on your iPhone? Oh man, um, that now we're getting personal. I know. Uh, I know. You know, I think like most people my age, mm-hmm. which is you know old, uh, oh, it's. A third of what I listened to is what I listened to when I was 25, uh-huh. or, or no, more like 18, uh-huh. which was a lot of punk rock. Sure. Uh, so a lot of that. Um, and then, you know, uh, stuff that my daughter turns me on to, who's 19, uh-huh. um, which is kind of all over the map because she has a, 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 a somewhat pop sensibility that, you know, well, we just made a movie, for example, that features a lot of songs by Sia. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the things that blew my mind, even I had heard of Sia, but a lot of like, you know, sort of, you know, straight white male film executives who we were trying to get to finance or, or, or you know, distribute this movie. They were like, who? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I was like, really? Like, yeah. you really have to be outside of the pop culture zeitgeist to, to not know who yeah, she is. Right. So then I went down like a whole Sia rabbit hole to like prove that I knew. Uh-huh. And I was like, wow, she's kind of like written every great pop song like yeah. ever, yeah. ever recorded. She's a genius. Um, so I kind of, you know, I'm a little bit of an opportunistic listener. Mm-hmm. Like if it, if it works for what I'm working on at the moment, then I listen to a lot of it, and then I'll, you know, go on to to something else that mm-hmm. works for whatever. Gotcha. You know, like when Todd Haynes did the Bob Dylan movie, oh, yeah. I had to listen oh, to a lot yeah. of Bob Dylan, which was, you know, yeah, not really my jam. Yeah, I can get a little no. grim, but yeah. you know, look the but the thing about making that movie is there are so many people who whose jam it is mm-hmm. that to this day people come up to me and they're like. You made I'm not there. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you what you got wrong. Oh, jeez. Uh, so, yeah, Ugh. those are Bob Dylan fans. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, Christina, I have a mental picture of you, and I want you to tell me how accurate this is. Um, say 1988 on a skateboard with Ad Rock. No skateboard no? ever. Okay. No, I have no coordination. Okay. Um, but, you know, I was in New York. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that you, counts. Yeah, I just yeah, I, I I put you in with kind of that like uh, like indie New York, gra- uh, the Grand Royal sort of crowd. Well, you're right in the sense that in the late '80s in New York, there was definitely um, there was Wait. definitely a real which which I think doesn't exist in the same way now. Mm-hmm. There was a real fusion of an art scene, a music scene, a fashion scene, not food. I mean, that's a new thing mm-hmm. that, fo- that like food is like, oh, food, you know, yeah. but uh, then it was just like you ate it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, 
uh, you all told each other like where you could go for like you know the best like you know you can have as many like tortilla chips and salsa as you want with sure. one margarita yeah. that kind of thing sure but then but but the fashion music film art was really really intertwined in very mm-hmm. fascinating and interesting ways uh-huh. so so, you know, when I came to New York, when I came back to New York, because I grew up in the city, when I came back in the early 80s, um, a lot of filmmakers were making their first movies, like Jim Jarmusch and Betty Gordon and Spike Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was also, like, MTV was starting, which is only significant because it was like this giant, this giant mouth that needed music videos, and people yeah. had to make them. Yeah. So... They were and people, you know, artists were making them, and musicians were making them, and filmmakers were making them, and it all kind of collided in a kind of great way, I guess, especially in the East Village. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you have a music video that stands out from your youth? <laughs> you know, I worked on a bunch. I can't remember what any of them were. Really? Because uh, uh, often I did the stuff that happened before the actual filming like I location scouted uh-huh. mm-hmm. I think uh, um, I think I I think I location scouted a Simple Minds video wow, oh, wow. I know right yeah <laughs> wow. um, and okay. then you see them now and it's like oh my god they're so on the nose sure. they're so <laughs> silly but at the time we were like Whoa. Yeah, we didn't like, know any better. The song has a meaning, and we're filming the meaning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was revolutionary. <laughs> Truly but revolutionary. I wish such a thing existed now. I mean, I guess there's, <laughs> there's the internet. Now it's Teen Mom on MTV. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's a sore subject. I don't like it one bit. Don't like it one bit. All right, should we, we take, take a break? A quick break. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Fleur, Fleur, Matt. Fleur, Fleur, Fleur. It is a revolutionary way of discovering and experience fragrance. It's uh, world-class artisans, and they're creating fragrances that are truly special, and they're delivered at an honest price. Listen, we are Fleur users. I'm you wearing- smell so good. Thank you. I'm wearing the samsara. Oh, I like that. It's like a, it's like a, a wonderful night in the desert. Yes, exactly. I'm wearing Olmsted and Vaux. It's like Ooh. a, it's like a gorgeous, verdant springtime. Wilderness situation. It's so goddamn fresh. Yeah, I've never been a huge fragrance uh, guy before, but these uh, there are. There's they have a whole bunch of fragrances to choose from. You get yourself a little sampler pack. There are yeah. different ones that you can try. You know what? They they change over time. That's the thing. You put them on, and they, they, and and you're getting one one scent, and then oh, later in the day, it has. Uh, it has sort of it is it has yeah. moved with you After into something else. A few hours, it's matured. Yes, their sampling experience is super easy. You don't set, uh, test a scent on a strip of paper under your wrist. You get to know each of Fleur's scents through pictures, words, and music on their site before actually trying it out on your own. Oddly accurate results. That's right. And the best part is they're completely transparent. They tell you every ingredient in their products and why it's there. So there's no secrets, no chemicals, no bullshit. That's right. Go to Fleur.com today. Use the promo code HOMO to get 20% off of your custom Fleur sample set. And then come find us and let us smell ya. Pick three cents to try and get credit towards a full-size bottle of your favorite that's promo code HOMO at Fleur.com to try three Fleur fragrances of your choice at 20% off. P-H-L-U-R dot com. Fleur. Well, it's Pride Month. Pride. I have never felt prouder of myself than I do in 2018. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I'm proud of you, Matt. 
Uh, in honor of Pride Month, each week we're letting you know about a different show here on Earwolf that you might not have heard before. You might have heard of a show called Throwing Shade. If you haven't, if you're listening to this and you haven't heard of Throwing Shade, you are doing life backwards and yep. I'm afraid of you. Yeah. Because Throwing Shade is the show with the hilarious Aaron Gibson and Brian Safi, where they discuss women's rights, LGBT issues, interview your favorite actors and comedians. Uh-huh. They cover, uh, they cover everything. Cardi B's pregnancy, uh, the rising tide of feminism in China, all it's, of it. Yes. It's the perfect combination of silly and serious. There's a new episode every Thursday. I... Uh, really very few things make me laugh out loud as much as that show does. Like, I, 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 I've said this before. That it's, it's a podcast I would like to live inside. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it truly is so funny and goes down so easy. And their, their takes on all things political um, are educational and fucking hilarious. Yep. I would rather uh, – instead of read the news, I would rather just have them read it and then tell it to me. Exactly. Yep. Celebrate Pride Month. With Earwolf, subscribe to Throwing Shade now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Hey, we're back. Oh, <laughs> it's kind of a fake. It's kind of a fake break that we just did. We're gonna have some ads in there. Yeah, but we're back. So, Christine, can we go back in time and can you give us your coming out story? Mm. Uh, I mean, uh, clearly the crowd is hungry for it. So, uh, you know, my coming out story really begins and ends when I met my my partner Marlene McCarty. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, you know, I met her when I was, you know, I I spent my twenties uh, and uh, my early twenties and late twenties, um, and this is something. Uh, you know, uh, I at the time it was very popular to be bisexual, mm. so I was like, "Of course I am too," uh-huh. but I didn't really know if I was until I met Marlene. I dated other women, but uh, and Marlene was married when I met her. She'd been married for thirteen years. Wow! To a to a man. Let me clarify. Yeah, at that you time, have to clarify. At yeah. that time, yeah. marriage, you know, between two people of the same sex wasn't possible. Uh, she was married to a man. I was. You know, uh, single, and but it was, at that time it was you know everyone was a lot more, um, in some ways more fluid than they are now in a yeah, crazy yeah. way. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like we just didn't talk about it as much. Mm-hmm. It was just like, you know, and she was married, but she wanted to date me, and I was like, okay, you know, but. We were also lesbians, so at some point we were like, who's moving in with who? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) How long did that take? Really not very long. Really? (laughs) What's not very long? I think, I think like after like three or four dates, she was like, I'm leaving the husband and I'm, you know, and we're, and I was like, give me a minute to think about that. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Okay. That, did you feel like such a baller that she was leaving her husband? Her I felt life? bad. <laughs> I felt bad, but in the crazy way of like, um, of like the way, you know, things sort of, you know, Marlene and her husband did not have children. Uh-huh. Uh, Marlene and I had a child. Uh, we adopted a child from China, a kid named Guthrie that many of you here have seen over the years. Uh and in a crazy way, and then Bruno became one of her primary caretakers. Mm-hmm. So in a crazy way, me meeting Marlene gave Bruno the opportunity to have a kid. Wow. Which, 
I know, because when I first said to Marlene, you know, I really want to have a kid, she was like, if I had wanted to have a kid, she's Southern, by the way, <laughs> if I had wanted to have a kid, I would have stayed with Bruno. And, um, is she so, Foghorn Leghorn? Or? She is. Okay. 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 So, okay. Sexy feminine. Yeah. In, a, in a Kentucky chair. In fact, she looks so much like Cherry Jones that really? people stop her on the street and ask her if she's Cherry wow. Jones. Oh, wow. That's the highest compliment there. Well, she, I, I think it is. She's like, someone just asked me if I was Cherry Jones again. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, God, is she older than you? Is that what's bugging? Like, what is yeah. it that's, you know, so. I'd like to be mistaken for Cherry I, Jones. Wouldn't we all? Um, but how did you meet initially? She did the titles for our movie Swoon. Oh, oh wow. wow. Okay. And before that, you had dated women. You were kind of identifying as bi, but you hadn't really... I had, I had dated men more than women. Oh, wow. And so, but you didn't have like a coming out conversation with the people you were close to until you met Marlene. Well, I mean, that's the, that's the other thing, like, to remember then. It's like we were all doing everything. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you had sort of stopped and sat someone down mm -hmm. in that circle and said, like, by the way, you know, I think you need to know, they'd have been like, wait, what? Like, mm -hmm. why are you bothering to, like, yeah, interrupt yeah. the flow Yeah. to discuss this? Because it was just, but I mean, but it was also, it was, um, I mean, the other thing to remember, too, it was a pretty crazy time in the late 80s and early 90s because of AIDS and because yeah. everybody was, there was a, a sense of a of a common enemy and a common, like, um, which wasn't necessarily the disease itself. It was the, the powers that be that allowed the disease to, to progress and to, to, you know, and to be, uh, to, to, you know, continue uninhibited. So, um, so there was a real sense of everybody in it together. I don't, I don't really know how to, to it, like, so, and such a sense of urgency that I think if you said, oh, by the way, I've decided, you know how I said it was bisexual, but now I think maybe I'm, they'd be like, oh, just shut up and yeah. work on right. something more important. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't talk about it. Be about yeah, it. Yeah. Just be about it. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Wow. Wow. Um, so you decided to move in after the third or fourth date. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then how long until you decided to adopt? Uh, maybe six or seven years. Okay. Okay. Wow. Um, and I, so that, yeah, so you're, you've been together for over 25 years. Yeah. Wow. Uh, all right. Yeah. That is, um, and is there, is there a wedding in the future or has, no, that, <laughs> you've had that conversation a million times, I'm sure. Actually we haven't because we're both like, you know, look, I, I support gay marriage and I, and I fought for it and all of that, but I'm also like, who the fuck wants to, you know, I don't. Yeah. It just seems like a lot of work, yeah. you know. I'm and if you grow up like, not expecting it, you know, I don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> and that your daughter's not putting pressure on you. Well, she's not. She's almost nineteen, mm -hmm. so you know that ship has sailed. Yeah, she doesn't yeah. have illusions of being like the little flower girl anymore. Right, it's five or six, but then she got to do it in other people's weddings. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Now you get to watch as she navigates the world, which is a very different world than than the eighties. Yeah. Like right? you really do have to define yourself now. Is she? Are you raising her in, or have you raised her in Manhattan? Yes. Okay. I was afraid you were going to say, "Did you raise her gender neutral?" No, I was going to no, go, "No." no. No. We didn't. No. We didn't. 
Yeah. Is she in college now? She is. Okay. Yes. Okay. Very good. All right. Yeah, I am. Um, I'm with you. I think we're all kind of on the same page. Like we grew up without marriage, and yeah. now it's just kind of why. I don't know. I kind of want a big wedding. I don't know. I'm sort of a yeah. basic bitch, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I also wanted to ask you your thoughts on, I, I guess, just uh, in, in a general way about this moment we're in culturally and Me Too and Time's Up and um, c- kind of where, where you see us going from here. I mean, who knows the answer to that? When I did, uh, I did a talk this morning with Mark Harris and he said... Um, you know, people say that in these kinds of political climate, in this in this kind of political climate, it's when great art is made. And I was like, I'm not sure the trade-off is right. good enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, in terms of how Me Too or Time's Up specifically affects um, uh Filmmaking, content making, I I feel like on the film side, it has a tremendous way to go. I think there's a lot of lip service, but I'm really on the front lines of the movies that are getting made and understanding why one movie's getting made and another one isn't. And I know it hasn't really changed. Yeah. I mean, I see it, and I and I'm and I'm living it, and I'm making those movies, and I see what's happening. On, t- on the television side, though, I think it is. I think there has been more than lip service. I think yeah. that there's um, there's been a tremendous effort to uh, bring women and people of color uh, and women of color into TV in ways that uh, that are really meaningful. Um, and again, it's not perfect, but it's happening. Now, on the film side, I'm not seeing it happening. Really? Mm. I mean, it, not everywhere. It's happening in your world, but it's, it's almost It's like, always happened in my world, yeah. but it's more like, you know, look, I'm, I, but I'm not the end, you know, I, I'm here, you know, here being like, I'm in the middle of trying to figure out, these are the movies we want to make, these are the packages we're putting together, this is what we're going to, the, the financiers are, for the most part, with some exceptions and some very notable exceptions, but they are, for the most part, white men. Mm-hmm. And their their biases come through with what they decide to uh, uh, to support or not support. Right. Um, you know, when this, again to refer to the talk this morning. So uh, I think Mark asked me like, what what will make it change? And the obvious answer is, well, when it's not that same group of people controlling everything, which you could say about any industry. Mm-hmm. You could say it about you know fashion, food, music, etc. Those guys who don't know who Sia is. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, well, I don't know about this. I don't know if it's commercial. And it's like, she's the number one rock star in the entire, you know, etc. flag if you don't know who Sia right. is. Yeah. But, uh, but, that's the, but that's still who's controlling, mm-hmm. you know, the, the end game. So, mm-hmm. oh, so what do you do about that? I mean, we just keep doing what we do. We make, we make a lot of movies. Um, we all we try to every movie in some ways, uh, and we make a lot of television too. But but talk, to talk specifically about theatrical filmmaking, um, every movie it's like there's that tr- almost like that trick that that one little piece that gives it that path to production, and um, and if you can find that piece, whether it's a 
you know, an actor or an actress that makes it happen or, or a director or a kind of, or a very zeitgeisty idea or a combination with a, um, a financier who, who's, who's really has, you know, some kind of affinity for that subject, whatever it is, we try and find that to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Are there, uh, stories that you know, you still want to tell? I don't really think that way. I'm kind of like, when it comes to me, I decide if I want to tell it. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't really, I don't have that like, you know, storage of, of like, these are, these are just sitting here on the shelf and I'll pull them out when it seems like the right time. It's more like I'm just very open and when the right thing comes along, I know it. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that's kind of always been your approach. Yes. Is that right? Wow. Can we talk about Superstar? Sure. But how did you how did you meet Todd Haynes? Well, I didn't produce Superstar. Okay. Okay. Um, I met Todd Haynes because we went to college together at Brown University, uh-huh. but we didn't really know each other there. I mean, I knew who he was. Uh, I think he knew who I was because I was the short order cook at um, one of the dining halls. Uh-huh. So you inevitably had to deal with me if you wanted an omelet on a Sunday morning, Uh which people did. Sure. Uh, So, um, uh, but when we left school, he came to New York as well, and we had common friends, and I met him then. So he started making Superstar as part of a... um, Oh, excuse me. (laughs) Is that your ringtone? Was that your ringtone? That happens every time somebody wants to talk to you? Wow. What, it's okay. What did that say, by the way? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow, that was startling. Anyway, it's okay. It's okay. It happens. Anyway. All right. So. Okay. So um, omelets. No, we've moved past omelets. Okay. Uh, Todd uh, started making Superstar as part of a uh, Bard Bard College summer MFA program. Uh And at that time, I think Todd really thought that he was going to spend his life, he was going to make, he was going to get an MFA, Mm -hmm. and then he was going to teach at whatever college would have him and make his little experimental films, and that's what he was going to do. So his first summer at, uh, at this BARD MFA program, which I think took place over three summers, he started making this movie, Superstar, which was a story of Karen Carpenter um, uh, and her death from anorexia, and he told the story with Barbie dolls. And on the one hand, this seems like the most sort of hilarious, perfect you know, story to tell with Barbie dolls. But when you watch the movie and it starts and it seems really funny, um, by the end of the movie, you can't believe the performance that Barbie doll has given. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and you are probably in tears. And um, uh, he was working on that movie when we started working together on a company called Apparatus, uh, which was a company started by a third person that we both went to Brown with uh, named Barry Ellsworth. Uh, whose mission was to make short films in New York City. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, long story short, I saw Superstar and I helped Todd with it. At the very end, I helped him do the editing and the, and the sound editing and the sound mix and, um, and you know, helped him finish it, basically. And then 
that movie just really epitomized for me the kind of movies I wanted to make. It was um, incredibly smart, uh, original, and um, incredibly entertaining. And I thought, like, that's it. Like, that's walking that line. It's provocative. It's like, it's in your face. But it's not, you know, at that point, when I saw experimental films, they were always so dreary. Right. You know, they were like anti-narrative. They were endurance tests. And here was finally a movie that felt wholly experimental, but wholly narrative at the same time. Mm. So I was like, this is it. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, you couldn't see it. And you couldn't see it. Yes. I mean, that kind of added yeah. to its appeal was that you had to look well, for, for other it. people. I could see. Yeah. It. Yes. Yeah. Um, it was and it, it was at a time when you would have to like. Uh, get a videotape of it. Like you had to know somebody who had it and like get a dub from them or something. Kim's was renting it illegally really? for a long time. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I had somebody make a copy for right. me in the, uh, in the early nineties. Um, so what do you think, Matt? What else? I mean, uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about Guthrie and um, what it was like raising her in Manhattan with two moms. And I go, I guess my question is, what would she say? What do you think she would say uh, it's like being Christine Vachon's daughter? I think she would say, don't talk about me, Mom. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's <laughs> Like, if I want to talk about me, I'll talk about me. Uh-huh. Okay. All right, well, we'll have her on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but raise, you know, raising a kid with two moms in Manhattan isn't, it's not exactly revolutionary, (laughs) you know, but, you know, but it was, I mean, you know, it, it was a great thing and it, and I'm really, um, I'm really glad she's 19, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, you know, it was, it, it, I'm really glad we did it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds less revolutionary to me and more like my dream childhood. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. A little different than Waverly, Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> Should we open it up to the audience yeah. briefly? Does yeah. anyone have any any burning questions for Christine? Michon? It's okay if you don't. don't. Yes, ma'am? Yes. Um, you there in the are, white? Are there any projects you've seen recently that you were like, oh, I wish I participated or I wish I had had a shot at that? Not really. I mean, we make so much and I'm so appreciative of the great stuff that other people make that I don't I don't really treat it from a I I don't really approach it from a point of view of like, um, damn it. I'm more like, wow, you got that made. Like, I I really love Sean Baker's work, who's here, obviously. Yeah. And um, and every time I see something he does. I don't have a, a, a mechanism, you know, it's not like, I'm like, how did you, I'm, right. I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, that's so, it's great that that, like, got into the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that sounds like I'm a super generous person, and I am not. <laughs> and I'm very competitive in other ways. But I know, I know how hard it is to get anything done, so I never approach it from, like, you know, well, we could have done it. I approach it from, like, wow, you got it there. And that's, that's incredible. The way I'm competitive is, you know, I wish we could compete, say, for, for, you know, manuscripts before their books. 
you know, because there's so much great material there. And I see colleagues of mine who are just in like a different position who can just be like, well, I can get Warner Brothers just buy that for me. And I'm like, I can't, you know. Uh, And that I wish, that's the one thing that I wish I could do with more alacrity. Okay. Oh, we've got more. (laughs) Broke the ice. No, I'm just curious. Well, first of all, congratulations on the most amazing body of work. Thank you. Yes. Well, we are um, we are shooting two movies this summer. Uh, one is called Shirley. Which I, did I mention it already? It's uh, uh, Josephine Decker. She has Madeline's Madeline, which I think is showing tonight. Oh, I did mention that. Um, and it's with uh, um, uh, Elizabeth Moss and um, Michael Stuhlbarg, um, and it shoots in August. And, uh, and then we have another film called American Woman uh, that Semi Chellis is directing. Semi is an extraordinary writer, mostly known for television. She uh, worked extensively on Mad Men. And this is her first feature. Mm-hmm. And this film is with Hao Shen and with um, Sarah Gadden. So, uh, so that's really, both of those are really exciting. And then we have a television show that uh, is going into its second season. The first season uh, aired on Sundance Now, which is a streaming service. Uh, and this morning I mentioned it, and everyone was like, well, wait, how do I, how do I, how do I? And I was like, you subscribe, you pay. Yeah. You're it out. You pay, and then you get to watch the show. And then once you've watched the show, if you want to, you can unsubscribe. So uh, um, uh, this close just got picked up for a second season and will be on Sundance now again next year. But you can binge all six episodes now if you want. Oh, that's something to look forward to. By the way, speaking of American Woman, have you caught the TV show of the same name created? No, no, but, um, but I'm, I'm in it. Have you? No, haven't. But you're going to. Of course. (laughs) My expectations are very low. Well, I'll tell you why my expectations are not. It's because she produced it with John Wells. Oh, that's right. You know, oh, yeah. ER, mm-hmm. uh, um, like uh, West Wing. Yes. And he used to finance our company. Oh, of course. I mean, he's an extraordinary He's an extraordinary. Yeah, he's talent. the real deal. So I'm going to watch it, assuming. Uh, you know what? Kyle's good. in very good hands. I take it back. I retract All right, my now we do. Ha- we didn't have the talk about how far down Beverly Hills has gone. <laughs> well, let's get into that. Let's have that talk. Let's have yeah, that talk. Fucking garbage season of nothing. I try- it's like nothing happened except like wine got served in the wrong glass. Oh, oh, <laughs> that three-part reunion was the most excruciating <laughs> period of I my life. I didn't make it past episode you, okay. number two. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear you say that because I tried to watch this. I'm not a Real Housewives guy, but to connect to Matt on a deeper level, I wanted to watch this past I get season that. of the Real Housewives. Marlene has never made that effort. I just want to say. Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. All right. I'm so touched. <laughs> uh, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't get through it. Uh, does Teddy ever do anything? No. No. Okay. No, well, there you go. I'm actually pro Teddy. You know what? Weirdly, I I like for my Real Housewives to be genuinely good people, which I know is an interesting. It's a bit of an oxymoron. Oxymoron. Right. But when they seem like true monsters, like Dorit, I have, I have no love for them. Okay. Christine is nodding. I just want you to know. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll, I'm sorry. Yes. Question here. Um, this may be naive, but some of the films that I've seen this, this period of time. 
I was just wondering if there are any courses or there's any effort to bring certain films into the school systems of like, I remember when I was in second grade sitting in the basement watching these black and white films and I cannot remember what they were about. I don't know, maybe they said don't do drugs or I don't know. Mm-hmm, right. But it's like, there were certain films that I saw like uh, Breathe Normal, like uh, Immigration, Refugee, like a certain uh, course that could go into school systems that is marketed so that it's a different way of learning. I don't know if that there's any effort made into that, but I can just see these films are so incredible, mm-hmm. and they're so political, and they're so teaching. And the only way some of these kids get to see these films is through like Netflix, yeah. Yeah. right? In their homes, but their parents sometimes aren't even to the place where they are. And I just wondered if that is that happening, or maybe I mean, it's not really what I do, yeah. so I, I I don't really know the answer to that. I do think though. I mean, I know there's a lot of, um, you know, wringing of hands and beating of breast over, uh, you know, the influence of Netflix or the influence of, of, of streaming services. And but one of the things you have to say that's pretty amazing about them is the accessibility. You know, I, I mean, I just I, I remember, you know, I worked one of the first movies I ever worked on was Parting Glances. Right, which though some of you may know of as a sort of pioneering gay film that came out in the 80s and that was one of the first movies uh, to really talk about the AIDS crisis. But that wasn't what it was about. And it's, it starred, it was actually Steve Buscemi's first film, too. Um, and I remember there were, there were um, kids who came and worked for me in New York as camera assistants or, or grips or electrics, you know, who said to me, I came to, to New York because of that movie, because I somehow managed to see it mm-hmm. at like, you know, who know, like who knows how they managed to see it in those days. But now, you know, if you're that lonely kid in the middle of nowhere, you can access, you know, the body of work of somebody like Fassbender or Todd Haynes Todd or whatever. And that can't be a bad thing, you know. Yeah. Did you happen to see Love, Simon? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, or, or Alex Strangelove. <laughs> no. No. Okay. Okay. I, I, I'm interested to hear your take on them when you do. So we'll have to keep in touch. Okay. On that it, it was, uh, it was very interesting to see a very mainstream, basically G-rated gay uh, romance. Absolutely. That I, you know, and I, but I feel, you know, I feel like that's, you know, in some ways all that work we did way back when was so that could happen, mm-hmm. yes. but it doesn't mean I have to see it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You've done the work. You've done the work. We had, Sarah? Um, Christine, has our political climate these days changed the kinds of work that either you or your colleagues will either do or not do? I, I don't think so. I mean... You know, we we made a film called Beatrice at Dinner, and oh, yes. that film seems like it was made like two days before it came out, <laughs> yeah. but it was actually made like a year before it came out when it didn't occur to us that Trump would be president. So we sometimes just kind of hit that wave, like... And I guess one of the things when you're making these kind of movies is you're trying to you're trying to really have a sense of the zeitgeist at all times. And sometimes you get it right and sometimes you get it wrong. I don't think there's a movie that I would say I won't make in this current climate. 
I also don't want to, you know, we don't want to make movies that feel old, you know? So, um, and it's interesting going back to parting glances for a second, which I recognize many of you probably haven't seen. Do it. But, but that was a movie that was one of the first movies that was made about the gay and lesbian, but mostly gay male uh, community. Uh, in the 80s and I remember I worked with I was you know Bill Sherwood's uh, production assistant his edit, editor editorial room assistant I'm trying to like yeah that's what it was yeah. uh, and I remember he was so conscious and he talked about it all the time about not dating the film like wanting it to feel like you could see it 20 years later and you weren't like oh none of it's relevant because it mm. feels old and I think he did a pretty good job you guys should see it and, and decide um, but it was a very conscious decision. So when when we get a film that feels like it's too much, or a script that feels like it's too much on like a something that feels like we're we're stuck here for a second, but we won't be stuck there, uh, we we don't really lean into that. Yeah. Beatrice at Dinner was one of the great suspense movies of last year. <laughs> yes. It truly was a very tense. It was great, but it was a I was extremely tense during that movie. Such a satisfying ending, which I almost spoiled. Oh, not right. everybody, not everybody thought so. As you think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> many people were like, "Mm-mm." Yeah. Um, There's one more. Oh yes, we had another question. Oh, sorry. Um, I was curious to hear if you have uh, either a project or projects that you worked on that you're particularly proud of that you feel like this is this is something I did. I've made over a hundred movies. Yeah. So I really like, and it's also like, you know, the ones that I love the best are the ones that are like just starting to happen. But I can't, I can't really say, you know, I, I, like if I go down the list of IMDb, I'm like, oh, that, that one was, you want to hear why that one was hard? And it's boring. It's just like, because every movie is hard. It's like that, you know, what is that? Like all happy families are the same or, mm. you know, whatever it is. It's like they're all hard. They're all difficult, but they all got made. If they're on that list, then there's all the movies that didn't get made. Those are the ones that are sort of the hardest, the ones that you tried really hard. And for whatever reason, they didn't happen. Um, but I don't really you know, it's hard to love one movie more than the other because it's like loving a child more than the other. So I, I'm sorry if that doesn't answer your question, no, but no problem, OK. <laughs> Well, TV is just a hundred times more volume. I mean, it's just like, it's just like, like, as we were saying, you know, everybody's like, you know, when you sit down, it's like, have you seen this? Have you seen that? Have you? And it's like, no, it's like they're, I'm going to, but I just haven't had a minute, you know, like, and it's, it's just, it's so much more volume. And, um, and I think that, uh, because there's so much more of it being made, the the progress has just been like ramped up. There's you know many more women uh, who are in that seat as decision makers uh, than there are in film. It's just you know it's just look. There was a headline the other day about the fact that a Marvel movie was going to have a female composer. 
okay? Now, that's a big deal. I'm not denigrating that. But the fact that that was like, you know, a female composer, whoa, you know? Like, that just shows you. It's like, all right, that's, that's a milestone, and we haven't even gotten to, like, the actual, like, you know, creative, you know, the, the, the director, the writer, et cetera. Mm-hmm. One last. Uh, I would just like to hear more about how you as a filmmaker utilize the Provincetown Film Festival and society outside of, like, as a showcase for your work. How do I use it outside of a showcase for my work? Yeah, like, more than just, like, showing movies, like, uh, when you're at the festival, like, uh, what else do you use it for? What else do I use the Provincetown Film Festival before besides a free room at, free, at uh, Poor Richard's? Uh, <laughs> look, um, I've been I've been coming to the Provincetown Film Festival for almost 20 years, um, and to me, it's a really great example of a really uh, beautifully done regional film festival that brings movies to uh, to to the to its community that they want to see. It's kind of um, it feels very entrenched in. It feels it feels like it has the flavor of the town that it's in in a great way. Uh, that's why it's lasted this long. Um, and uh, you know when I, when we bring movies here, it's really to have the opportunity to uh, to show them in a way that we might not be able to here. Like they may not have. They may not make it theatrically in this little piece of the world if they didn't get their theatrical showings here. Um, and it, it allows a kind of discourse. A lot of people, you know, I always say a great film fe- festival, great film festivals ta- tend to take place in places where people want to go. So, which is why I still can't understand Sundance. But that's, uh, you know. <laughs> Uh, or I should say Sundance in the winter, um, uh, but um, but you know that's that's uh, you know it it brings a lot of people together in a really interesting way. When you walk down the street at a great film festival, um, you really can tell you're somewhere interesting when there's just you just see a lot of disparate people connecting, you know, in in really interesting ways. Uh, I'm going to piggyback on that. What is a what is Christine Vachon's dream Provincetown day? Like from here, where would you go? But I'm looking for ideas. But like Provincetown, (laughs) Provincetown day when I'm here for the film festival, or when I'm here by myself. When you're here by yourself, let's say, with my family. It sounds like maybe oh, that friend of yours not with your family. Well, yeah. this is the first time I've been here without my family, so I don't. Ooh, really know. Okay, okay. okay. I, so I guess, yeah, yeah. I'd like to hear about that. <laughs> well, I just like walking around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I never know who I'm going to see here. Uh, usually, for the past twenty years, I've usually only come at this part of 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 the year in June um, when I'm told it's not as crowded. I'm like, really. What's it like in August? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you could all tell me, oh, yeah. yeah. It's like we just leave in August. But but um, I don't know. It's just, it's. Uh, I mean, you guys are, are have been here less than I have. So what's your perfect province down there? Oh, geez. You would turn it around on yeah. us, wouldn't you? Um, honestly, it's really been just the same, just kind of taking it all in. I got in just in time for RuPaul's Drag Race viewing party. So I got to do that, which is a, a, a perfect, a quintessential Provincetown experience. I don't know. I think it remains to be seen. This is only my second it time. It definitely involves coming to the AMP Gallery. Come on. <laughs> With-
Whispering Angel. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. wait. Little bottle. Too many bottles. Too tiny bottles. Hold on. Mini I think, bottles. Wait, the, the angel is... Oh, the angel. You're right. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to uh, to wrap this up. Thank you, Angel. Uh, thank you, Christine Vachon. My thank you so much. Thank you all for being here. Hey, thank you, Julie Rocket, who put this all together. Julie Rocket. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Ben Wise, for the music. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. All right. Good out. Good out. today. Hey, this is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season 3 has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, Season 3 is a great jumping on point, and we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, Jazos. <laughs> Ruler of the eighth circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.